So I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, the way we way we work here at this church is sometimes uh, you can't find a seat, and sometimes there's seats available. And I want I want you to know, like I I, I never look around this place and think, oh, we're you know, I never think that. Um, and you shouldn't either if you care about this church. Um, because sometimes people are gone, sometimes they're here. And that's just how, you know, families who have parents who live in Little Rock work, you know. Um, but what I love and what I do every Sunday, and I mean this, is I look at you guys and I'm just so glad you're here. You, just, I'm, you know, the ones we got, I'm happy about. Um, that this time of year is um, sporadic, and the fact that you come and you sing, you sing out, and you um, praise God with us, and you take communion with us, that, that, just, that matters to me. I don't know about you and how you work, but whenever I'm going through a tough time, and times in my past where I've gone, it's just been difficult weeks, I need this. Not just like church, like the church service. I don't need 1030 on a Sunday, right? I need you. I need to worship God with you. I need to spend time with you. I need to talk about the Bible with you. And whether it's me up here talking to somebody else, um, I just need it. I need communion. And so I'm really thankful that you are here and that you have um, decided to worship God with us today. Uh, the more you come, the more you'll get to know some of the songs we sing. Uh, we sing There's a Stirring, and I love that song. Especially I love hearing you sing it. And while you sing it, I, I know that there are some people who, are, who don't know it. And just keep coming and singing it. Um, you know how you do in your car when you hear a song you like but you don't know the words to? You just sing. You just make up words. You just, you'll, not even actual words. You just say made up words. You can do that here. Just sing with us. Um, but the words are on the screen. So you don't have to make them up. <laughs> if you're making up words, you're just being a stinker, really. <laughs> uh, we're really, really glad you're here. We're finishing out our sermon series on the parables. Um, we've looked at, we have not looked at all the parables, but we have looked at all the different types of parables. Um, I haven't pointed that out along the way, but we have. And today we will finish up with those, um, those parables. Uh, and we'll finish in Matthew 25. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to check what's on the screen, we'll be in, um, turn on your Bibles to Matthew 25. Some of you had the old school kind, which is holier. Old school is always holier. Um, we'll be in Matthew 25. This is one of those parables that we have messed up. We have messed this parable up so badly because of one little word, talent. We hear that word and we're like, oh, I know what that means, you know, and we don't even really pay attention to what it actually means in the text. We'll just take it and run with it and say, oh, God gives us talents. Are you using your talents for God? Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's a good application just in general. And even so, I've even heard it so far uh, recently. I heard a guy say, uh, I know this isn't really talking about like, your actual talents, but are you using your talents for God? 
Like it's just almost always where we land, where God gives out talents. Do you know that we get our word for talent from this text? We, we changed it. It worked its way backwards, and then now we work our way back and translate it. Um, we're going to read the parable straight through and then talk about it at the end. Before we do, I want you to know where it's positioned. Okay, so there's three stories in Matthew 25. There's the parable of the ten virgins. Five um, foolish, five wise. They um, that, that parable ends with God um, letting some into his kingdom and keeping some out. That parable ends like that. The parable after the parable of the talents is a um, is a is a parable that we all recognize as the sheep and the goats, right? He divides the sheep and the goats, and he says, he says, you, um, um, you did good, you did bad, some get in, some get out. It's a story, both the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the, um, of the sheep and the goats, where Jesus says at the end time, it's not really a parable, he says at the end time, God's going to separate, and he's going to say, you guys did for others like you were doing for me, and you guys did not. And there's a distinct line drawn. Now, in our culture, distinct lines are scary. This is good, this is bad. Um, this is wrong, this is right. Well, you know, for some. Nope, for everybody. That's just the way it is. It can just be, and so whenever Jesus draws a distinct line and says, those on the left are, are in trouble and those on the right are, are good. And there's no like iffy back and forth about, well, and then those on the left will say, it, it, it's harsh language that is hard to hear, both in the parable of the ten virgins and in the parable of the, or in the story of the, the sheep and the goats. Then right smack dab in the middle, we have Matthew um, 25's telling of the parables. Now, Luke has a version of this. They call it minus over there. Um, it's less confusing, except it's got two parables intertwined, and I didn't feel like dealing with that this morning. Matthew 25 tells about a return. For it is as if, or the kingdom of God is as if, a man going on a journey summoned his slaves. Uh, the word for slaves and servant in Greek are the same one, so it's kind of hard to differentiate whether it's his actual slave or just a servant. But either way, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents. A talent is a year's wages, a lot of money. NIV translate this, translate this as bags of gold. Um, which is a weird translation. Um, it's just, it's an absurd amount of money. Um, like, it would take several trips to carry this to the car. It's a lot of money. Uh, so he gives the first one five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who received the five talents went off at once and traded with them, or, or traded with them and made 
five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed me over to me five talents. See, I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave or servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put, put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter in to the joy of the master. Now, you know at this point, the one talent guy is just wiping dirt off of his talent. Oh, gosh. What am I going to say? Well, here's what he says. Then one who received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow. That makes me, back. I don't know if y'all hear that, that makes me so happy. Like I can't even think. That's good. (laughs) Someday we're going to yell back at them. (laughs) But I'm going to put a little more thought into it. We'll do it later. (laughs) The one with the one talent comes forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. By the way, wicked and lazy usually go together quite well. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given and they, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing... Even what they have will be taken. As for this worthless slave. Now here, this fits right in with the ten virgins. And then the sheep sheep and the goats. As for this worthless slave. Throw him out into the outer darkness. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, just real clear. Is um, not about pain. It's It's weeping always represents sadness. And gnashing of teeth always represents anger. Uh, Gnashing of teeth has never been used to represent pain, as we've often taught. So, that's the end of the sermon. Um, We can go back one more. So we got real simple. One was given five, one was given two, one was given one. Five, managed it well, doubled it. The two managed it well, doubled it, and the one didn't. Now the problem we often run into with this particular parable is we try to turn it into, like we do a lot of parables, we try to allegorize it. We try to turn it 
into an allegory which is a story in which every little element represents something else so we're looking at the talents and we say well oh, it's our talents and we've taught we've trained we've understood the parable like that for for um, centuries where I, it's a talent and your ability what is your ability and you need to use your ability for god and we sort of chop off at the end of the parable that part about being thrown out into the darkness. Well, just And we just almost say, go, use your abilities for God. Now, another problem we run into is when we get rid of the abilities idea, we say, well, it's money. You've got to use your money for God. And that's true. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Here, Jesus is using an analogy, and let, we just need to let the analogy teach us something. When God gives you something, God expects you to multiply that thing. When God gives you something, God expects you to multiply that thing. Now, what God gives us is not always money. It's not always ability, because that can kind of get messed up in church, right? So you'll say, you'll preach a sermon, you need to use your abilities for God. And someone's like, well, I don't know, I, I'm a really good shot. I can shoot a gun better than anybody in my county. Well, I guess bring it to church. <laughs> like, what do we do with that? Also, there's times there, there are people who, who are living paycheck to paycheck and they just don't under, they, maybe they don't budget properly, but also there's just times where people get hard, maybe they got a budget and then the hospital hits, right? You ever been driving your car and just run into a hospital? <laughs> that sort of stuff happens. Life happens, and you can talk, you can teach this parable to those people, people who have abilities that they're not quite sure how, how they work into the kingdom, and then people who, have, who don't have money. They're trying to figure out what they're going to eat this week. And it's not, a, it's not about investing. This parable is not about, about using your gifts, although that's great, and both of those things are good. This parable simply says that when God gives you something, he expects you not to bury it. That's it. When God gives you something, he expects you not to bury it. And a lot of times, when we're burying the things God gives us, it's only out of fear. Here's the example. God has given me love. What love I find in my life, the love that, like unconditional love that I can give. That's only from God. God has shown me love. And then there are people that are hard to love. You know, I'm not that hard to love because God loves me, obviously. But then there are people that me and God seems to have hard, that's hard to love. People who make you uncomfortable. Genuinely make you uncomfortable. And you're a little afraid to have a relationship with them. Like, to interact with them. 
to show them love, to be with them and to be present with them and to have their backs. And so it's probably just best not to go that route. Fear keeps us from having relationships. Once I was told by a woman who had been hurt in a previous marriage, I will, I will find love, I will get married again when I know it's safe. Safe marriages are boring marriages. Love thrives out of vulnerability. It thrives out of you being able to say, I, I know you can hurt me. The person in this room who can hurt me the most by ten times over sits by me every Sunday. And we choose to love each other in an open, vulnerable way because we're saying, I trust you enough to be vulnerable in front of you so that our love can grow. But when you run into people out in the world and you want to love them, sometimes it looks like that and that's scary. So you... Dig a hole. Throw the love that God gave you in the hole. And cover it up. What about joy? Celebrating with people. We can... God gives us joy. What about peace? What about when God's patient with me and I'm not patient with others? What about when God gives me his kindness? And all these words are connected, right? Because to love you have kindness and to kindness you have patience. I mean, that's, they're all connected. The Hebrew word for um, love, which is <clears throat> chesed, is... Uh, you have to get ready to say that word when you've got a cold. The Hebrew word for love means loving kindness. That's probably the best way to translate the word agape in Greek. But God gives us all of these things and we receive them. And if we receive them and then hide them, there will be consequences. When God returns, he rarely asks questions like, did you get church right? Go through. Find, find, me, find me where Jesus gives that scenario and then says, okay, those of you on the left, those of you on the right. All right, you went to the right churches. And then, no. It's all, the people on the left are people, people who God lets in in the sheep and the goats. It's all about who did you did you visit those in prison? Did you take care of the sick? Did you feed those who were hungry? Like there's serious God calls us to live a certain way. And if we are going to be the types of people who visit people in prison, who take care of the sick, who who clothe those who don't have clothes. I remember the first time it really hit me that Christmas can be awful. 
Um, it wasn't the time our whole family got food poisoning on Christmas Eve. That was hilarious, looking back on it. Although that Beverly Reynolds saved us that Christmas, came and brought us medicine. But I, we were living out at my, um, where my parents live now, and we had driven in, we had driven to my grandmother's house, which you wake up on Christmas Eve, um, you open your presents, um, you eat breakfast, you go over to your grandmother's house, you eat, you have your presents, um, and Glinda, Glinda came to church here for some time, some of those of you who know my grandmother, we'd go over to my grandmother's house, we'd eat over there, we'd have presents, and then we would come back to our house and nap or watch movies that we got or play with the things we got, try on our clothes, that was the worst part. That, for me, was how every good American celebrated Christmas. And you get married and realize you don't all do it the same way, that other people are sinners. <laughs> That's how we did it, you know? We, we had a routine. I don't know how old I was. I was, bound to, I was in high school because we just moved in that house. I, we were coming back from, from uh, my grandmother's house. And there was a guy just walking by himself on the street. I think that was the first time it hit me that there are people who are really hurting in this world. Like, I, know, I, I, know, I know that's awful. I was a seat like a junior or senior in high school, and it took that long. But there are people who are really hurting. And I, I just thought, like, I had this thought process as a teenager no one should have to walk anywhere by themselves on Christmas. And then it had, I mean, no one should have to walk anywhere by themselves ever. What makes Christmas so special that we should treat people kindly? We should treat, there are people who are hurting. And to share with them the things that God has given us is the utmost calling of the kingdom. God has given us this, this, his grace, he's given us his love, his joy, he's given us, he's been kind to us, he's given us peace, he's been patient with us. God has blessed us with all of these things, and if we just receive them and do not give them, I'm not saying, oh, well, that's just not, it's not a good thing and you should start. I'm saying when, when God returns, there's consequences for that. That matters. Forgiving other people like, like God has forgiven you matters to, you, you, to your soul. It's, ser it's serious business. So when God, when God returns, are we going to just dust off what he gave us saying, I still have your love, God. Well, the man with the talents, right? He says, I, I have what is yours. That's not what we're called to do. Jesus has blessed us with unending love. 
you never run out. Unending joy, you never run out. You may run out of energy, but you never run out of joy. You may be sad, you can never run out of joy. Believe it or not, God has blessed us with unending patience. And patience, uh, patience is hard. Patience is hard because it means you have to forgive people twice. That's what patience is, just forgiving again. God, God has blessed us with this stuff, and it's not, it's not just me saying, and so you should do this because, the, you know, it's nice. Because I stand up here on every Sunday and look at you, and I'm glad you're here. Because I do that, there, there, it pains me to think that when God's kingdom comes, that any of us won't be there. And notice I'm not saying, like, you got to get this right today or you're done. <laughs> There's no hand of condemnations here. It's, let me explain that real quick. And they teach you that in preaching school. You know, because if you point at people, you got four fingers, three fingers pointing back at you. But you can do the hand of condemnation. All five fingers are pointing at the congregation. <laughs> now, we, we, together, if we're going to bring the kingdom of God, we need to be practicing doubling the things God has given us. Sharing the things God has given us. Not because it's a good idea, but because it's, it's eternally important. We have a, a term in the churches of Christ, and I don't know if they have this term in other places because I'm not that well-versed. We call it... Um, the essentials to salvation. You know, like, like you get, get baptized. We want you to get baptized. Faith. Have faith that Jesus is alive. Repentance. But right in that, that repentance, you know, that line is so packed full of stuff. Because repentance means I got to stop being what I was and start being who Jesus has called me to be. There's a hair on my arm. Does that bother anybody else? It would if I were out you, I'd be like, there's a hair on his arm. <laughs> Repentance means you gotta stop being who you were and start being who God has called you to be. I were a lot of things. I did that on purpose. I was a lot of things. I was impatient. I was I was a grump. I was I, I wasn't self-controlled. I wasn't forgiven. I didn't love people unless it, unless it made me, uh, unless it benefited me. We were a lot of things. So in that, God is constantly reworking us and set, setting our old, our old life to a new life. But if we're not, if we're not, we're not taking what he's given us and then multiplying it, we're not repenting. We're just taking, taking what God gave us and, and using it to sanctify what we've always done. 
Oh, God loves me. God loves me for who I am. That's true. That's true. God will accept you just as you are. That's true. But let's not fool ourselves into thinking that when God gives us something and then we, we hoard it, that God will see that very favorably upon his return. problem we've had with this parable is that we've turned it from serious teaching to good advice. Whether it be about your gifts or whether it be about money, but it is a serious teaching. All of Matthew 25 has serious implications to being ready for God, to doubling what God has given you. Now that can be money. It can be your ability. once asked to be a part of a seminar of some sort. I was a senior in high school, and our, our guidance counselor spotted me and said, Hey, on Friday, do you want to wake up early and ride with me, a person you barely know, and drive to Hot Springs to be a part of a panel? So when she explained it to me, what they're doing is they've got... Um, They've got this uh, like, like different types of people to speak to all these new teachers, right? Um, so all these new teachers are like they, they've all done their like teaching certification. They're, they're about to get certified, and they were going to have a speaker come in, and, and the speaker was going to speak. This woman, the, the woman who spoke was like uh, like 120, and she she no seriously she had she, the first school. The fir her first teaching job was one in a one-room schoolhouse. I'm not making that up. And she spoke to these people, and there was going to be a jazz band there for some reason. And then we were going to get up and comment on, as a student, I was a, I was a student, representative student for the state. Um, there was a representative teacher. Uh, there was a representative administrator, a representative business. And all these people were doing uh, going to get up and give a speech. So I sit down. My first time at a dais, I feel pretty excited. So I sit down. The woman next to me um, asks me my name, and I tell her, and um, we, we have a conversation. Um, and I said, uh, so when's, when's this woman going to speak? And she said, she already spoke. And I said, I, I just got here. And she said, well... And the dais was long. There were people were way down there, and I was down at this end. And she said, well, they're going to start down there, and they're going to start talk, commenting on what this woman said. You can't comment on what this woman said. I was like, no, I'll be fine. So they started talking, you know, getting up and talking about it. As a businessman, what this woman said really impacted me because of this, and they kept working their way down. The, wo the woman to my left was way more nervous than I was for me. She kept going, do you want me to just announce the person on the other side of you after I'm done? No, I'll be fine. I got it. I can do it. Because I've been listening to what they were saying. And I got up there. And guys, I mean, y'all know me well enough that y'all would recognize he is just, like, it is just nothing but nothing coming out of his mouth. 
I talked about um, my math teacher and how you got to love what you do. And uh, she obvious, this woman, it was obvious to everyone except me that she loved what she did to stick with it that long. And um, my, my math teacher loved what, what he does. And uh, he taught us not just to do equations, but to love equations. Just nonsense like that. You're like a standing ovation. People were like, yes. Now, there were two student teachers who had been student teaching with me at my school, and they were standing up like. (laughs) They knew. They knew I was full of it. Well, I sit down, because my whole thing about math teacher and all that, I sit down, and the, the woman next to me goes, Maybe you should be a math teacher. Like, woman, I'm talking for a living. Not doing anything with math. Obviously, there's times when you, like, you recognize, this is my strength. How can I use it for the Lord? Obviously, there's times where, like, I've I've made quite a bit of money. How can I use it for the Lord? Notice I don't have a story for that one. Obviously, there's times where, like, there's specific things that are specific to you, and you're like, how can I use my position, my gifts, my finances for God, and all that's good and proper. But unless we're using the love God gave us, unless we're using the peace, the patience God gave us, we aren't going to be effective as we use the, the blessings God gave us. So you can, you can speak about nothing all you want. You can, you, can, you can have the gift of gab or the gift of song or the gift of, of, of making money look like more money. <coughs> but unless that is saturated in the love that God has given us and we're multiplying, then that's no good. Unless it's covered in the peace and the joy and the kindness that God is producing in us, that we are producing through the Spirit. It's no good. God has given us so much that He then calls us to give back to others. Don't be afraid and bury that deep. Be courageous. Love. Be courageous and and show grace. Be courageous and be like Jesus. Because Jesus was like Jesus for you. We are called to when the when God shows up, we will say, I've tried to love like you love me. We better not be dusting off our love. Dusting off God's blessing. Dusting off what God has given us and saying, see, you gave it to me and I still have it. It never ends well for the people in the story. So what is it this week that you're afraid to do? Who is it this week that you're afraid to love? Who is it this week that's going to be difficult To have patience with. Before you go into those interactions, you sit down and you say, you thank God for giving 
to be, for being patient with you. You thank God for loving you. And as you thank God for what he's given you, then multiply that. Give that out. God is ready to give you something this morning. Salvation, his grace, forgiveness. He's ready to make you a part of this body, of, this, of the church all over the world. Just calling you, and that walking down here is difficult. But if you walk down here, make that difficult walk down here, and become a Christian, or recommit your life to being a Christian, and you walk out there, it ain't easy. Everything worth doing is difficult to do. It's hard to love people, it's hard to be patient with people, it's hard to show grace to people, it's hard to be kind to people. But what you're doing when you're coming down here is you're coming and giving your life to the one who can give you the strength to do all those things. So whatever you need this morning, please come forward while we stand and while we sing. Yeah,